Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Oh, and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 66. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. So what you call, viewers? Tonight's episode, we are going to be discussing the interesting follow-up to Ong Bak with Chocolate, um, a film which introduced a new rising star in martial arts cinema after leading man Tony Jaa went a little off the rails, shall we say, during the production of Ombak 2, disappearing with the production money only to turn up months later in living in a cave. And in the meantime, it basically left the director, uh, Pratia Pinku, to come up with an alternate plan. And uh, said alternate plan was to introduce the world to Jijia Yan, um, who forms the uh, lead here, who plays uh, Zen, She's um, an autistic girl who has the uncanny ability to acquire martial arts moves merely by watching other people in actual practice or even on TV. And when her mother, the former, I mean, how, what do we describe her as? A Yakuza mole? Gangster? Yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking gangster mole. But, but she, she seemed, no, she's, cause she seemed to be... Um... She wasn't just a uh, eye candy, was she? She did seem to take part in some of the uh, activities. So my, my, the girlfriend of the boss leader, yeah, because her Harley mother... Quinn of uh, of <laughs> of Thai crime, because her mother Zin uh, basically turns her back on life of crime uh, when she discovers that she's pregnant, um, including her old um, lover and, and boss number eight, who. Um, is keen to withhold a large sums of money amongst the many debts that Zen now sets out to collect for her mother when she discovers that she has cancer. So to pay for her medical debts, uh, she's going to go out and collect all her mother's old debts by kicking a lot of people in the face. Um, this was released back in 2008. I would say that this is a film which is certainly held up since then because sometimes when we go back and look at some of these um, these films they're not dated perhaps as well as they should have but um, I think with Chocolate I think this is one that certainly held its uh, own over the years especially as things have only got progressively sort of more crazier faster, harder hitting and certainly more violent when we look at films such as like The Raid and The Night Comes For Us which has set this new standard for violence in action cinema which has been certainly carried across when you look at like John Wick um, in particular John Wick 3, Parabellum it was very felt very much so so that it was tapping into that sort of rave vibe with its violence so yeah, I mean it's it's of its time. I and mean, you mentioned the director, Pressure Prinkout. You know, he 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 for a few years was outputting what felt like all of Thai cinema's action <laughs> action films. And and there's a visual look to, isn't it? There's that there's that sort of mid 
took 2000 alts visual sheen on everything you know the filters and the color balance and lots of films look like this but i think chocolate does stand out it stands out basically because its lead actor actress is well she's fundamentally a little girl i mean she's a bit old she's not she's not she's she's older than the character she plays but you know she's a a a, a small of stature young looking girl who in the in the as, as a later film that she stars in, you know, she, who can kick ass. Um, <laughs> and then you've also got this whole other layer of the lead character being autistic, which, you know, can be a bit troublesome. And I think they do a kind of an interesting job. Yes, they try and give the character almost superpowers with its, uh, well, Black Widow fans, the photo- photographic memory of Taskmaster, which <laughs> she has. Um, but I really, I, I've had this film, you know, I, I discovered this film in or around 2008. It's now 2021. And I've probably watched this film more than pretty much any other action film, I would say, in that period of time. Because I find it so charming. <laughs> can you have an action movie that's charming? But that, I that, you that, definitely that's... can. I mean, certainly when you look at... You look at like the the Arnie the Arnie movies of like his golden period, and where it was sort of like witty one liners and big action set pieces, mm. um, and then you compare it to like what Seagal was doing, yeah. um, where it's just this morose looking, pony tail tosser, <laughs> just like going over and, and mumbling a lot. It's like go turn to the bank, the blood <laughs> bank, and it's like oh. I mean, even John Claude Van Damme was heavily had that big, heavy accent on him. Still had a lot more charisma. I mean, yes, I think I think he's, his general cockiness and the fact he could do the splits, I think, really helped him stand out. Um, plus, his willingness to be able to work with like anyone when you like look at <laughs> things such as like kickboxer and blood sports. I mean, he works with Bolo mm. and manages to like somehow create these amazing fight sequences to work with like someone who's like twice the size of you because let's face it Bolo was pretty much in beast mode when he came to do blood sport so yeah yeah bring, bring it back to chocolate <laughs> from back back from Belgium back to Thailand <laughs> I guess I guess the other thing is of course this is a film within its you know within its plot is referencing other martial arts films so although we only see because of rights issues, we only see the Tony Jaa films that she's watching. She's, <laughs> Andy. She, yeah, she's, that's, which is which is incredibly meta. Um, you know, she also has clearly watched Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan stuff. Um, so even even there's a little affectation she does with, with putting candies and flicking off her forearm into her mouth, which is a real Jackie Chan thing from some of his earlier films. And you know, the, 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 there's a whole scene homage from the big boss right and i can't remember what the um what the jackie chan film is it, it homages but yeah it's got that kind of nice sort of meta hey here's here's a little here's, here's a young girl little girl that that can rock it just like some of the greats now i do understand a lot of this is the way the film is edited and put together um but it's still kind of cool, and I, I, I like that. It's a film that, that still gives back to me sometimes, things that I hadn't spotted last time, uh, or things that I'd forgotten. 
Um, ah, definitely so. And I mean, you have to also consider that, I mean, this is a film again sold with the moniker of uh, no stuntman, no CGI, which had been the big selling point for mm. Ongbok. When you see like a man doing like leaps through the barbed wire hoops and just the phenomenal fight scenes that we saw in that movie, especially when you have like the opening fight scene on Buck where they're falling out of the tree. Um, and then when we see, when it comes to chocolate, it's like, it's like, where the hell do you find these actors? Cause there's some phenomenal stuff. And I love the fact that they weren't just basically trying to do another Tony jar movie with a different actor. They very much adapt all the fight scenes to suit her fighting style and what her abilities obviously are. So, with this, there's a lot more to do with sort of like speed and use of the environment, especially. So I think it taps more into like that Jackie Chan sort of vibe in that way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's if what if Jackie Chan was really into Taekwondo, isn't it? It's um, <coughs> that's the, uh, that, I mean that that's her main fighting song. Again, later movies she'll she'll tap into that. So it's all about kicks, isn't it? Because she's a little thing, but some wonderful stuff with the environment and and like you say that which is a very Jackie Chan thing. But then not only that, it's also just bonkers. It's got this, you know, some some really bonkers stuff comes along. And then my favourite, favourite thing of all is that Hiroshi Abe, for some reason, one of Japan's greatest modern day stars, turns up in the middle of a Thai film as one of the protagonists. Um, and, uh, you know, this is Hiroshi Abe from Thermo Rome and... Um, oh god what else has he been in um, well he's been in tons he's been in hundreds of movies uh, Survive Style 5 as well he's in that which is um, but he's like he's a 6 foot 2 Japanese man pretty rare in and of itself where these film star looks appears in this film full of ladyboy assassins and autistic teenage girls super fighters and oh god yeah it's, and it's just it's just there's just so much going on in this film that I just I just bloody love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. I mean, the only sort of real criticism I have with the film in terms of its plot is the fact that it does take a little bit of time to get going. Um, yeah. Where we get it, it gets. I'm not sure what the, what the right right word is for it, but it, it really lays on the emotional core of its film really heavy. And when you're obviously dealing with a a character who's like movie autistic. Um, it's, you know, it can be a little bit of a, a drain to obviously sit with that. And then once she obviously finds her, um, her vibe and starts setting out to, to collect, start collecting debts, the film really sort of gets into its stride. Although we do get some fun bits, like when she's demonstrating, uh, her, her super, uh, reflexes where she's able to catch like balls and, and things. And, uh, her adopted brother is basically the using her to like um to drum up money so essentially what we're watching here is just rain man with kung fu it it, it does does put a bit of that and you're absolutely right about how long it takes to get going because when i watched this for this show i'd forgotten even though i've watched it a few times oh my god there's like 15 minutes of preamble where you get like an accelerated montage story of of the mother and and then then you get the sort of intro- then you get the introduction. In my head, the opening scene of the film is one. There's the one where where all the sort of kids are around and they're sort of showing off and doing that initial sort of um, the huckster act that's going on to make money, and and then someone actually throws a knife at her, and 
and, and her mate goes nuts. But to me, that's the beginning of the film. But it's not. There's 15 minutes before it where we, we see the the story of the mother. I can't remember what the mother's called. Is it is she Zin? She is Zin, yeah. Yeah, she's Zin. Yeah, the wonderful thing about... We haven't watched a lot of Thai movies, and I can't remember if I talked about this in Tales of the Black Tiger, but they've all got really difficult names. <laughs> like, um, I don't I don't even know if we want to... Um, have a go at um, Yarnit, at Jija's actual surname. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. Miss, I'm going to leave that Miss, one to Miss you. Miss Yeah. Um, and but they then every Thai film I've watched, everyone's name is then reduced to a three-character shortening of it. So this one we have Zin and Zen are the, are the two female characters, and it gets very confusing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've got quite a history of Thai cinema, and you get you get quite used to this, and you get quite used to them just using the name, the shortened name in every sentence as well, as if you have to remind the characters what their little nickname is. But yeah, yeah, we get a load of Zen stuff up front, and and I, I'm I'm always shocked that Zen doesn't really come into the picture to about twenty minutes in, and and like you say, it is it is. There's quite a lot of setup going on before we get into any real action, but then they decide just to keep going with the action. Yeah, thankfully. So, and I mean, we do get some really great sort of fight sequences, such as like uh, the warehouse fight sequence, which I think is sort of like one of the big selling points here, where we see that wonderful um, double knee slide under the table, and mm. where she's being avoiding pallet trucks, and we have like the abattoir fight as well, which has got some fun comedic elements into it, and I think it's. Um, you, you look at that same fight in like the night comes to us and you just realize the difference of what they were going for in this film um even when it comes to like the knife thing where it just like lands side on and you think he's been stabbed mm. i think those bits are really fun and when we like have the the there's a rooftop fight as well which involves someone being kicked into a a pipe and i still have no idea how they do it yeah, I mean, so there's, there's there's two things about the action. One is, a lot of it is managed. There is wires going on here. There is really smart editing. There's, it's it, this isn't like one of those films where you you step back and and the camera pans back and just lets the action unfold. She isn't Donnie Yen, right? Yeah. Um, but the other. Sorry, I've just lost my train of thought. Then it—it's just really imaginatively put together. <laughs> it's and 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 you know maybe something's happened that you if you go back and think how on earth did they do that? But there's a wit and a charm to it as well as homage left, right, and centre. Um, the action is you know in in the short moments is really impressive. And then obviously at the very very end we get the whole Jackie Chan style and here's who got hurt in the film and you see. People got really fucking hurt making this film. So they may have been much shorter action sequences than we're used to, but people really put their bodies on the line. And she really hurt a lot of people. <laughs> and we like we go and visit people in the hospital, don't we? <laughs> and they've had their heads kicked in and hit their heads against concrete pillars and things like that. Yeah, this is... Let's that, that, make no bones about it. 
yes, it may have been edited quite cleverly, but people really did some of these stunts and they really got hurt. Yeah. Something I didn't really get with this film, though, is that obviously with the the big bad of the film number eight, who's got this clear hatred of the Japanese, especially because, let's face it, his his lover went left him for a for a um, triad gangster. Oh, Yakuza, a member of the Yakuza, should we say, because it triads China. Um, mm. So obviously he's got this dislike of the Japanese, yet he has this lair which looks like the House of the Blue Leaves. And he has a bunch of sword, samurai sword, world, and henchmen. It's like, well, wh- why do you like dress your house up like the thing you hate? Oh, maybe that's the irony, isn't it? I mean, his whole, yeah, <laughs> he's the character I have the biggest problem with because I, I, visually, he's just a, such a weird looking dude with his long hair and his constantly angry demeanor and like you say obvious love of Japanese culture while hating the Japanese um, and I was quite surprised so it's played by right give me a give me, I'm gonna butcher this yeah um, Pong Pat Wachira Bunyong he um, he looks like that in real life <laughs> he's, a, he's a weird looking long-haired dude in real life as well <laughs> and um, and he's one of these. You know, this should this should end. You know, he's a he's a singer, actor, director, producer. You know, he's he's not just he's 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 like the Thai version of a Hong Kong person of a Hong Kong entertainment star. He does the lot. So I imagine he's incredibly famous um, in in Thailand. But I found him a bit a bit weird. He's long back too, isn't he? Um, according to his uh, his CV, but um. Yeah, I found I found him really weird, and then of course he's surrounded by the the thing that bugs me in a lot of Thai cinema is the is the action lady boys. Okay. I I know I'm I'm a modern man. I'm not I'm not I don't I don't have a problem with the trans community, and obviously this probably film came out before there was even a phrase called the trans community but i just find them a little um it was laid on a little thick um i found uh, maybe because i'd watched a lot of thai films at this time but every thai film seemed to have to push in some kind of lady boy that was also an action person or or an assassin or something like that and it's not it made it look like every every everywhere you went in Thailand, there would be ladyboys everywhere, and that's not how it is. Having been to Thailand a few times, um, but yeah, I, I found them just maybe representation all round the ladyboys, the representation of autism, um, the representation of other um, situations. So like like the again, there's a really cool character later on who who has a, what's that? What's the Brazilian martial arts? That the Tourette's guy does. And basically, it's a guy with Tourette's. Oh, Capoeira. Yeah, Capoeira. So there's this Capoeira guy who's got Tourette's, and his Tourette's is making his. And, and they're actually quite accurate. So Tourette's is, in British people's minds, is people who can't stop themselves swearing. But actually, real Tourette's is about physical jerks. And so his, yeah. his, physic, his inability to control his body actually enables him to be an amazing martial artist. That's kind of cool. But there is, I don't know, there just seem to be in this film. It, possibly it could get a, as as we get more and more 70s 
sensitive to these things, you could look back and say, mm, it's not really a great representation of autism. Mm, it's not really a great representation of some of Tourette's. Mm, that's not really how ladyboys are. You know what I mean? There's a, there's, there's a bit of, I, I hope that people accept it for what it is from where it's from and the time it was made. Yeah, of course. Um... But but I can also see that maybe some young, young younger people may find this a little bit distasteful or maybe a bit, um, what's the word exploitative and then again we're all about exploitation cinema aren't we I would <laughs> I, there's so many so much things that when it comes to like Asian cinema you just take at face value mm. you just assume that it's part of the culture unless you're like you know read up on the culture and then I guess you could have a have more of a uh, criticism for it but no I just there's so many things like as I said having a ladyboy henchman and the same when you it just made me think of like beautiful boxer about the first transgender like champion a kickboxer and it's um it, it's just something it's nothing like something i never even questioned i mean certainly when we watched it this time uh the the, the old the um guy that she faced up against um at the end the uh with the as you said you identified him as having Tourette's mm. And I thought that they just wheeled him out of nowhere at the end, but he does actually turn up in an earlier scene. So it's mm. good that it actually has that foreshadowing to it. Yeah, um, it doesn't. It's not that they just pull pull that one out. So, so yeah, well, I will absolutely agree with you. This is not Hong Kong cinema from ten years before when they're clearly making it up every day when they've turned up. Yeah, this is this is tightly plotted. It does go a bit bonkers at times. <laughs> Like number eight has a lot of people at his control that you do think he could have used more productively, maybe for example to stop um, stop two children shaking down his whole organisation earlier. He's when he's got like four hundred ninjas to work for him, and uh, and and two kids manage to shake down his entire organisation, regardless how what what a martial artist she is. He probably going to cut some of that off at source. <laughs> That's, uh, and not just hung around with his two um, his two ladyboy assassins most of the time because he seems to have a lot of resources available to him. So, um, but yeah, I think this one still holds up. I mean, it's a good companion piece to Ongbok, certainly better than Warrior King, which is the one everyone was sort of like looking forward to after Ongbok came out. I've yet to watch like Ongbok the beginning and Ongbok three, so. I can't no, really comment I to those. I haven't. I haven't either. I, but mean, I don't know what it is. It seemed like the bubble would sort of burst, really, when when chocolate came out. We sort of moved on from there, and I, people just seem to. I would say, explain like Tony Jaws like completely blow up and be this huge like international star, especially after Ombak. And then I think because there was such a a gap between films and stuff, he'd sort of like never really recaptured. And now he obviously turns up in things like. Fast and the Furious Seven mm. or something. So he was, yes. I mean, yeah, and I, I feel the same. I remember watching this and just thinking, this girl is amazing. She can act, and she's an action star. And obviously, I appreciate. You know, she was. You know, she was. Um, she was trained quite heavily for this, and she was picked up at the at, at an earlier casting, and they took her away for three years to turn her into this character. Um, the shame is her career never really. Never, you know, she didn't become the new, I don't know, the new. 
I can't think of any female action star in Asia, even though there's hundreds of them. Um, ah, crikey. Help me, Elwood. Which one are you trying to think of? Uh, the Malaysian one who was once in a James Bond film, for example. Oh, you're talking about... Um... I'm having a complete brain freeze. That's Michelle Yeoh. Exactly. I was yeah, I'm sorry, I just thought like... we were talking about Thai cinema. And I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, in Thai cinema, she's on her own. She's just on her own. But I was hoping she would... You know, like, Tony Yar is bigger than Thai cinema, right? So, yes, it's his career's gone into weird little vignettes now rather than headlining films like he should do. But I was hoping she'd turn up in all sorts of things. And, unfortunately... Well, not unfortunately at all. Um, she did Raging Phoenix in the same time as this, which is fine, but it's not chocolate. Yeah, it's 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 very much more routine. And then she did, and then I think she got married and pregnant. I like yes, you did just at, just at the just at the sort of the, the point where her career is about to kick off. And then she came back in like 2011, and unfortunately, um, I think the whole scene had. Yeah, Pinkow's still making them, um, but she made a film called "This Girl Is Badass," which is all right. The Kick, which is another, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's about. <laughs> Have you seen The Kick? It's no, about a Korean. It's about a Korean family who happen to all be Taekwondo experts <coughs> who who immigrate to Thailand. <laughs> I've just remembered it. It's like a family, it's like a martial arts sort of family comedy. Thing. Right. It it it's fine, but it's you know it's not a film which is going to get a lot of international recognition. Chocolate did get a lot of international recognition. It's got a my god, you know, it got DVDs and Blu-rays in the UK. Um, Raging Phoenix has got a bad as the kick. Uh, Protector Two, they didn't, and then she ends up now in Thai TV shows. You know her her career over the twelve years has she's still working, but she's not. You know she hasn't turned up in a Quentin Tarantino film or a James Bond film or or the Raid Three. You know what I mean? I, I, I she's just not lifted off. And no, I, I, she really hasn't no seen so. I've, you know, no, I have literally seen every film in her career, which. For a martial artist, should be impossible for someone like me. Yeah, most of them have these CVs that are hundreds of films long. Um, so yeah, it's it's a shame because I just remember in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, whenever I saw this for the first time, I was blown away by her and thought she's going to be the one, and she wasn't. I don't know if any. I don't know if there are any ones. <laughs> I don't know if if there is any any other female action star that's really come to fruition in the last 10 years anyway oh god it's it's hard to say really over the last 10 years who the sort of action stars are because you just tend to have like a lot of um, like UFC fighters turned actors like mm. uh, is it Gina Crow who was in The Mandalorian um, yeah you obviously had Ronda Rousey dabbled a, bit, a little bit in acting as well again I think that was fast dates as well so yeah, I'm just trying to think. It's sort of like there has been no one who's sort of like that traditional sort of actress who trains to to do it, and then we're seeing it a little bit now. Obviously, with things like Gunpowder Milkshake, um, Lena Henny. But again, it's that it's that that uh, female martial artist that we're still waiting to 
to see, and we occasionally and, and... get like hints of it when you like watch something, something like Lady Blood Fight or Rays. Um, but it, I, the problem as well, it just feels that too much of the time they just have like you know the pretty girl that they have do the fake acting rather than just like having someone from an actual martial arts background. And you and you could make you know, even even it just in Asian cinema full stop you could say their martial arts films are not they are not as big a thing as they were and they are still dominated by Jackie Chan and you know even though he's an old man now you know (laughs) Jackie Chan there's Donnie Yen um, and a couple of others and they dominate the scene and there just aren't even there's not even any male superstars coming out in the same way and Maybe maybe classic martial arts cinema is dead in a way, and and it's only going to live as long as as Donnie Yen decides to keep working, which is would be a terrible shame. I don't really want to say that it could be that sort of down on it because I think we still have um, a number of like number of things, and I think certainly I think when we look at things again, I'm just going to keep going back to the raid and like Contras because that's been. The most recent shot in the arm for the genre of martial arts cinema, um, those sort of like ultraviolet flicks. But I would kind of like to lean it, take it down a couple of notches because those films are pretty exhausting to watch. Mm. Um, and I like obviously what Donnie Yen's doing, but to, you're probably right. It's hard to think of who else is doing it. But then again, a lot of the times over the, the sort of history of martial arts cinema, it's always been like that one guy who sort of like dominated it, and then it was all. It was passed on to another person. So, from Bruce, it went on to Jackie Chan, and we were very so fortunate because at that time, with the Lucky Stars, you had Samuel Hung and Yan Biao, mm. um, and then you obviously had like a lot of Bruce exploitation actors, so people like um, so like uh, Dragon Lee and Conan Lee, and you even had like Jimmy Wang Yu. But I think that also had a lot more to do with the fact of the time period being that it's really sort of high to the Shaw Brothers and then uh, Golden Harvest, so that they were actually focusing on creating stars of that sort of genre. But from obviously from Jackie and Samo, it's then passed on to Jet Li, who then passes it on to uh, Donnie Yen. So it's um, who's who's next after yeah, I, Donnie I, Yen, I, really? Is I, no, I, like... I, I don't see an heir to Donnie Yen. I see... Um... <clears throat> well, we've got that... Um, uh, Udo... Elquist? Yeah, yeah, but the, the guy in the right. Yeah. yeah, who's doing more sort of um, some, some more mainstream pictures over in like Hollywood. I think he's in the new um, G.I. Joe, the Snake Eyes movie. I think he's in uh, that. Okay. Yeah, that's just, yeah I would, I'll, I'll give you him, but again, is he, is he somebody who's, that you'd put as a lead in a film? And, and It's too early his, to with say. Name, with, yeah. Because you've got the, the, him, and then you've got obviously the guy who played Mad Dog in the raid, who's like a really fantastic martial arts choreographer, but unfortunately hasn't got the leading man look. No, um, and and that's the thing. That's what I, I was just trying to think. Who is the natural heir to Donnie Yen? And and I don't know if there is one. Um, and then what you have, but what you have is people like Eddie Peng. <coughs> Eddie Peng, the um, you know, he's a pretty boy Taiwan Taiwanese actor. Who seems to be leading in a lot of films from all over the the Asian diaspora, and 
you know, he, he's, a, he's, he's a good-looking lad, and obviously he's got some training. So he did um, he did the most recent young Bruce Lee movie. I can't think what it was called. But he's not going to be... He's not sitting there designing his own stunts and potentially literally being able to win sporting competition. You know, Jet Li, you know, was a legitimate sportsman yeah. before he was ever an actor. Um, I think that's true of Donnie Yen as well. Um, these guys, it wasn't camera editing. It's not camera editing. It's 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 hard work and planning. And now what we get is people who look good and can do the poses, and they probably they probably could still knock us bow fat mate. But I don't know. I just I I don't see those great action stars. And and it's Donnie's all too not... close up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this, is, this is the problem, and it's so distracting when you watch a lot of these sort of action flicks, and they're just so on top of the actors rather than giving everything the room it needs to breathe, and it's all that stupid, like, flashy cuts. I this why I give like give Keanu Reeves such credit for like the John Wick movies, because he's when he does those movies, he's there from day one with the stunt team, mm. and that he's very capable and he's working with the right people. Um, even though it does often lead to people like going, I didn't know Mark Dacos could fight. And it's like, yes, he's, you know, the formidable martial artist. He's not just the Iron Chef. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be fair, you know, let's give extra props to Reeves. I mean, Reeves is a, is a student of martial arts cinema. He absolutely knows his stuff. You know, not, you know not only would he do his own work, but he, he knows who's who he, he, he understands the references mm. um and john wick is a marvelous <laughs> platform for him to do that which um, funnily enough i also saw what did i see the other day i saw nobody the um the the by the by the people that bought you john wick with bob odenkirk my name is saul in it oh yeah yeah it's bloody fantastic but again that's a man who's nearly 60 years old suddenly becoming an action star but does Reza have like a a a scene in that where he's like using a sniper rifle second sorry i'm sure i saw a clip from the other day which had like the Reza. Uh, oh, Rizzo's in it. Yeah, yeah. Rizzo uh, is in, is his um, is Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Just review nobody now, but the, the the Bob Odenkirk is basically this guy that used um, spoilers that used to be a assassin for the for the for the for the acronym agencies, right? So, yeah. You know, the the idea is so he calls it an auditor. That's right. They call him an auditor. Uh, but obviously, what he had done is he tired of that life and had started having a normal life. However, there's a whole backstory that's not terribly fleshed out. Where his dad is Christopher Lloyd in a who's in a retirement home, who clearly has had lots of adventures himself, and his half brother is the Rizza, who's dead but in hiding who he talks to through this radio at work every day but he's, <laughs> the joke is so there's there's this joke that you know this this is a middle-aged fella who, who who's an accountant who one day snaps but then turns out to be incredibly capable in a john wick way and then but then also that his dad is 
ancient Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown there, who can who also has got loads of guns and stuff, and basically deals with a bunch of assassins whilst maybe pissing his pants in his uh, in his retirement home. And then the RZA fucking turns up as well, another student of a of Asian martial arts cinema, and also even though they come from different. Um, they've been released by different studios there's a suggestion that it's in the same universe as John Wick right. and and that there may be a crossover it's just like well, well, yeah there's, there's no action stars coming out but it doesn't mean you can't turn somebody really unlikely into an action star and turn out with a huge amount of fun I mean it's not as it's not as brilliantly done as the John Wick movies which are just a you know they're a visual tour de force as well aren't they um, it's it's a little bit more basic than that, but it's fantastically done. Um, uh, yeah, so so yeah, if you get a chance to watch Nobody, I really recommend it. Don't don't be put off by who starred in it, and it's quite it's not a comedy. I, I know I was laughing along there, but you know there are comedic moments, but it's deadly fucking serious as well. <laughs> but yes, we we digress. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I haven't really got anything else to really talk about Pat Chocolate other than if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you have seen it, uh, go rewatch it. It still holds up, totally. Yeah, and it's a film that you can easily get hold of as well. You know, Quite often some of the films we talk of might be quite difficult for people to get hold of. You this can one get, you can go pretty cheap. <laughs> so. You can get it pretty cheap on Blu-ray from Amazon or HMV or anywhere. Um, and and it's it's a, just a lovely looking package. And it's, you know, you get you get to see some great action. You get to see, you know, great female lead, and um, I think also visually, it, it's just it's just of its time in a good way. You know, this is this is how this is what films look like in two thousand and eight. Certainly, that were coming from Asia, and maybe maybe we haven't talked about so many films more. Mo- it's quite a modern film for us, isn't it? I think <clears throat> certainly recently. So yeah, definitely check it out, please. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. We hope you've enjoyed this capsule review of uh, Chocolate from 2008. Um, thank you for always listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to listen to us. You can also check out our full archive episodes at asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Our Facebook group in particular is a really fun hangout as we post something new pretty much every day. Um, not only just in relations to Asian cinema and, and news articles, but also a lot of things to do with uh, pop culture as well. And uh, we have some fun discussions and some really great uh, ha- place to hang out and talk about Asian cinema. So uh, come along over there and say hi. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, but we will be back again soon with another film. So we'll make sure you uh, join us for that. And also check out our chapter by chapter breakdown of Battle Royale. Um, which you can find not only on this feed but also by looking at Battle Royale Podcast um, and uh, join us as we uh, continue to break down the film. We most recently did a breakdown of the classic poisoning sequence where we were joined by Emily from Why This Film and Through Dance Untold and the Barbie Podcast. Just, she's everywhere. Um, so uh, definitely go check that out. But thank you again for listening. Thanks to my coach Stephen and uh, we will be back very soon. Good night. Hey! Hey! Hey!
This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.